Are you ready to get fired up? This is the Spitfire Podcast with your host, Lauren Lemunyan, the Spitfire Coach, a certified life and business coach out of Washington, D.C. We're talking to everyday people on the topics that burn them out and ignite their passion. So sit back, relax, and get ready to spit some fire. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Lauren Lemunyan, and I'm super excited that you have joined us for season two of the Spitfire podcast. Now, if you didn't catch any of the episodes in season one, fear not. They're available on our website at spitfirepodcast.com, or you can listen to them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So head on over there, click the link, download it, subscribe, tell your friends, and enjoy the show. What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to another awesome episode in season two. That's right, season two of the Spitfire podcast. Now, we couldn't let our amazing guests go from season one, so we are bringing them back on special episodes where we're diving into the topics that are either burning them out or firing them up. So today, we have our guest from episode four. Holy crap, that was a long time ago. It was when we were so long ago. That, that is the voice of Aronson, the founder, the creator, the mastermind behind Eat Yoga Drink. And we're going to hear from Erin on what she's been up to. And then we're going to dig into mindfulness. So why should you mind your mindfulness in your business and at home and everywhere in between? So Erin, thanks for coming back. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. You've come a long way, baby. Hey, woo! You too, girl. <laughs> I've been enjoying watching you grow and inspire and loved the book. Yay! And, yeah, I'm so proud of you. Love the hats. I need a hat now. All right. You, you let me know what color. I'll, I'll get one out to you, hopefully before, uh, before spring comes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went to Michael's and I was very inspired. I'm like, oh, the colors, all the things. And then before I knew it, I spent $50 on yarn. Of course. I hope you had a coupon though. I did. I did. I love the Michael's coupons. Like I used to go there probably once or twice a week at the height of my hat business. So we are, we are good friends in that. (laughs) But enough about, enough about yarn. What have you been up to? Um, I've been uh, having a lot of fun. Um, I've been working, but it doesn't feel like work because I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing and took your advice um, and followed my purpose and my passion. And and I quit um, my job of 20 years when I was working for the school system. On good terms, I quit, but I quit so I could let go of things that weren't serving me anymore to create space for what I really wanted to spend my time on, which was continuing to grow my, my yoga business and to add the element of my mindfulness coaching. Um, and it's been amazing. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing once you let something go, um, just creating that energy of openness and like anything's possible, like things start arrive, arriving without you even having to look for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quit naturally in June at the end of the school year and just sort of gave myself the summer to settle into like what my life is going to look like now and how I'm going to help bring some income into the family. And I wanted to make sure my kids knew that they were still a priority, but that I really was passionate about growing the business. And um, like within weeks of quitting, I got emails and phone calls like, hey, now that you're available, can you do this? And do you want to do this? And it was so cool to have the power to say yes, or like, no, thank you, you know, and and make choices that were aligned with, um, you know, with, with what I really felt like I needed to be doing, what I felt like I had to offer. It's very cool. 
Very cool. I I hear people talk about, you know, if I could do this full time, it would be this, this, and this. And you hear people like doing this comparison to themselves of when I get there, or if only I could do this. So what was it for you that, that gave you that, that stamp of approval to go for it? Um, I'm not going to lie. I have a really supportive husband who is the primary breadwinner of the family. And without that financial support and his unconditional, you know, um, cheerleading sort of in background, and he's my yoga Sherpa too. So he does (laughs) physical labor. Um, I don't know that I would have felt as comfortable taking the risk because I just didn't want to put, you know, my family in jeopardy in any way by relinquishing what was generally a pretty good salary from the school system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I knew, like, I was miserable. I think he was so sick of hearing me come home every day last year, like miserable. Just mm-hmm. to can I say the word bitching on here? Totally. You can use other words too. Okay. <laughs> bitching. I was complaining. And I'm, that's, I'm, that's not who I am. I don't usually carry that kind of energy around with me. I kind of am a, I'm a half full kind of woman. And I, you know, like I can suck it up and deal with things and move on knowing that it's going to get better. But I just was, it was draining my energy in a way that I felt like I was just kind of losing myself. Um, and at the same time, I had like this burning passion to, to teach more yoga and to dive deeper into to learning about mindfulness and sharing those practices. And so I think, I think I just, um, <laughs> I think his support came from like him just being generally amazing, but also from him just being so damn sick of hearing me <laughs> complain every day. Like, yeah. Changes. Yeah. So, yeah. And the good news is, you know, because I left on good terms and because I left having already established a reputation as a yoga instructor and a mindfulness coach within the school system, because I do programs for, um, for students and for staff. I had been doing students and staff programming already. Um, I still have that tether. And so I still am, doing about once a month, um, workshops for, for staff. It's mindfulness for educator workshops. Um, and so it's, it's been nice to, again, do it on my own terms, doing exactly what I want to be doing and, um, just creating so much more positive energy in my life. Cause you know how it is like you radiate whatever you're carrying. And so if Mm -hmm. I was on this, this like, energy. My kids, you know, they, they felt it. The dog felt it. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making healthy choices in my life because I was just kind of stuck. So, um, yeah, it's so amazing that it's like you have this one aspect of your life that's super positive and giving to others and inspiring them to be mindful. And on the flip side, you're like, oh, I hate this aspect. That's still a part of my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to let it go. So it was, uh, you know, it was a risk, but it was one, it was one that I'd considered for about two years. I didn't, I didn't rush into it. And when the time was right, I let it go. And I mean, my teaching certificate is valid. You know, I will always keep that alive. So if I needed to go back for, if we fell on financial hard times and I needed to go back full time, I could always go back. So it's nice to have that safety net, but, um, but I don't want to go back right now. Cause no. I <laughs> it's nice to have options and not demand. Yeah. Yes, yes. Making choices. Like I can't tell you how many people I talk to, primarily yoga students or mindfulness students of mine. Um, I have private clients who come and they all are like, oh, that was so brave of you. I just wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. People feel stuck. <laughs> yeah. Stuck. I don't know why people stay stuck. Like, like get up and get out. Read Lauren's book. Learn how to like... <laughs> 
(laughs) passion and make it a living, you know? Yeah. Well, it's easier to look at other people and say, well, you were able to do this because you are this way because you're brave, but it it takes a while to get there. Like you've got to learn to really trust yourself and to know in your gut what feels right. And I think that that's what ties into mindfulness. And, And maybe you can, you can shed a little bit more light on that of what do you think when, when people are like, well, I can't do that, what can you teach them in mindfulness? That is such a brilliant segue. I'm glad you went there. Um, <laughs> mindfulness is, is a very simple practice that is, you know, it's rooted in ancient traditions, but the type of pra- mindfulness practice that you find in our Western world is, is, is more modern. It's more of like a psychological thing rather than a spiritual thing. Um, and it really, all it means is paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally to what's happening right now. So you're just in the moment. You are, as you're washing your hands, you feel the water, you can smell the soap, you are present for that experience. You're not washing your hands and then running a recipe through your head or, you know, mentally checking off your to-do list. You are present, you are aware. And so by practicing mindfulness, and there's so many different ways we can, you can access it. But it creates these new neural habits in the brain, and it enables you to, to build your social-emotional regulation so that you're not like reacting so much mm-hmm. um, in the external world or to the in, in your internal world. You're creating a little pause, a little space to just like notice and see how you want to respond rather than react to something. Um, it also can create a lot of cognitive clarity. This is a big one that, that I use with um, educators and students a lot. Um, you know, if we're operating in stress mode, if we're letting the, the, any amount of trauma or stress take over, we are disabling the parts of the brain that enable us to like problem solve and think rationally Mm -hmm. and be creative. Yeah. Oh gosh. And be creative and, Mm -hmm. and access memories that bring us joy and, you know, like all of those parts of the brain that can, can bring such pleasant emotions into the body. Um, are disabled because we're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And um, we may have talked about this before, but like um, by practicing mindfulness and calming the amygdala and reigniting all of the parts of the brain and the neural circuitry and just enabling, you know, your full cognitive potential, it gives you the chance to put everything back online so you can access those memories, access those emotions, think straight, make connections, be creative, um, so it's, you know, it's on a cognitive level, there are a lot of benefits too. And um, it generally just brings a sense of well-being because, um, you know, there are so many of us who I'd say it's like basic human nature for us to crave, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, affirmation. Mm, validation. And validation from other people, yeah. right? We're always mm-hmm. like, you know, think about social media for God's sake. Well, oh, yeah. you know, I'm guilty, but you put stuff out there and you want it, you check back every minute to see how many likes you have. You want yep. people to like it. You want people to know that people saw it. People are interacting with it. For me, it's, you know, if you like it, that means maybe you're interested in the business, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, our mindfulness teaches us to, to be aware of what's happening outside of us, but to be more connected to what's happening inside of us and to find that place of joy and gratitude from our own heart center. Mm-hmm. So that we don't need to be validated by everybody else. Like we are our own validation. Yeah. Right? Now, now I see people 
on on Instagram and and it kind of like this is my one pet peeve and it's probably something that I need to be a little bit more mindful of in myself but I get so frustrated when I see people just post what I call mantra regurgitations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they're just like these inspirational quotes but they're not practicing them mm-hmm. and they don't even know what they mean mm-hmm. so if, if you can break down like in the most simplest terms what mindfulness is and what it isn't mm-hmm. I think that would be super helpful yeah, I can tell you what it is, is um, a way to can control your thoughts and be connected with your emotions. So to be aware of your thoughts, be aware of your feelings in any given moment. It is not trying to deny or push away thoughts. Thank it's you, not. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Because yes. so many times people are like, you just need to practice gratitude and all of these feelings go away. No, no, and no, my no. point with my clients is, no, no, we need to feel the feels and understand where they're coming from. Right. Because right. you yes. can put every tactic and tool on top of it, but guess what? It's boiling up to the surface. Right. It's going to be like yeah. a pressure cooker. Right. So that's when you talk about equanimity. So you are aware of what's happening now. You are not attaching to it Mm -hmm. and you're not denying it. You are facing it head on with compassionate awareness. You are right there with it. You're not trying to get rid of thoughts. Mm -hmm. You are like, I am thinking this right now. You name it because you have to name it to tame it, right? So Mm -hmm. when you're having unpleasant thoughts or feelings, which we all do, you become aware of it. And then from there, you notice what you can do perhaps to, to change the mood or to change the topic in your mind, but you have to confront it. Mm-hmm. in order to do something about it. So absolutely, you have to, you have to, um, to be aware of it and not, not try to get rid of stuff. Yeah. So like mindfulness is not just all about think happy thoughts and you'll be happy and, no. and all things good will come in. Like it has, you have to take care of all sides of yourself. Right. It is awareness of thoughts and feelings in the moment without judgment, but it does not at all equal being calm. And this mm-hmm. is a big one. Ah, that's great. Because a lot of people say, oh, mindfulness, find your zen, find your calm. I mean, <laughs> the research shows us that, yes, when you, the longer and the more, um, with more steadiness that you practice mindfulness, you do create that neural, neural connectivity that allows you to access calm easier because you're quieting the, the uh, you're activating the parasympathetic nervous system. However, in a moment of mindfulness, if you are noticing that you are angry, you're not going to automatically say, oh, I notice I'm angry. Oh, I'm not angry anymore. You know, yep. you're calm. It means that you are aware. You are compassionately aware of what is happening. And then you can decide what to do with it. And so I love that because it always, people are always, always like take a gas when I teach workshops and I say, mindfulness does not mean being calm. They're like, oh, no you know, like why am I here? Yeah. Or I, I, so I had a client who said, yeah, you know, I was really stressed out and I used my meditation to combat it. I said, do you realize what you just said? You cannot, you cannot combat your stress with meditation. Like, like meditation's a weapon. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to get you stressed. (laughs) I was like, the meditation will give you access to where the stress is coming from. And that's where you can listen to what you actually need. Yes. Yeah. But we ignore what we need. We think about what other people need and, and we go and we act um, in response to that. Right. But I'm wondering, so you work a lot with educators and, and you have the Mind Your Business. Um, so where do you see the benefits of mindfulness and practicing mindfulness in business owners and, and having a business yourself? Um, in business owners, particularly if you're in, if you're in a leadership position, 
um, again, just, just having compassion for those who work for you. Um, everybody has a story, right? So um, when people show up late to meetings, you know, don't automatically assume the worst, don't automatically assume that they're disrespectful to you, or you know, even if you're a small business owner and don't have employees like me, well, I have some contractors, but anyway, you get, you get how it works. We wanna assume good intentions, and we wanna assume that people have a story and perhaps they are suffering and they need help, and so it gives us the chance to, fight, to be a little bit more compassionate um, to ourselves and to others to, to be patient in those situations. Um, patience is a big one. Um, just, just quieting the emotional reactivity helps you not only as a business owner, but like in the line of Target or <laughs> in your car when you're driving and you lose the parking spot that thought you thought was yours, but some mm -hmm. jackass and a shiny car pulls into it because their car is faster than your mom SUV. You know? Did I ever tell you my, my trick for that, like in traffic or parking situations when people do that? Mm -hmm. No. Um, I always imagine that they have to poop really bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's cool. You really have to poop. <laughs> That's being mindful, right? Yeah, it's great. And you tell other people that in the car and they can't help but laugh because honestly, poop jokes just make everybody laugh. Everybody loves the poop joke. See, there we go. File that away for our scatological program. That's, That's it. Cool. That's what everybody poops. That's going to be the next mindfulness That's awesome. <laughs> workshop. That, that is a tool, a coping tool that you've come up with that you know enables you to find a little grace and patience in that moment, right? That's it. Well, I'm from Jersey. Everybody's got road rage, so you got to oh do what God. you can. <laughs> So, I mean, most people, when that happens, get extremely offended. Like, what are you doing to me? Like, they want to yes. fight. They put tackles up and they go right into sympathetic mode and they get tense and their breathing goes more rapidly. And it's like, why bother? Like, seriously, how much time on your life does that save? The dude needs to poop. He's got to poop. And um, it's okay. Take a deep breath. So we talk about, you know, just in that moment, practicing the three breaths so that you can shift away from reactivity into more regulation. You can shift away from reaction to response and um, just give yourself a little space, right? Yeah. A little forgiveness, a little patience. Um, one of the things that I teach in my workshops is um, intention setting. And I think that's, I know you do a lot of that as well. Totally. Yeah. Every so day. How, <laughs> how do you approach it when you teach it? Um, so I think about the outcome. So how do you want to feel at the end of the, the day, the project, your life? Um, so it's more of like your, your daily legacy of, you know, at the end of the day, how do you want to be feeling? So it's selecting a word or a phrase that you can go back to. So all of your thoughts, actions, um, belief systems are in alignment there. So when you feel like it's straying off, it's just this visual reminder or, or that verbal reminder of and what you're do doing it for. Do you encourage them to write it on a post-it note or have like... Yeah, however it works. Like I actually have people put it into their calendars and like remind themselves at multiple times of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the daily of like putting it in your journal and then revisiting it. Um, so even when they're in meetings of setting their intention for that meeting. Yeah, yeah. So moment to moment. Yeah. So it's like, hey, if, if you're... If your desired outcome is to feel resolved or feel like you were heard, and I think the key thing with intentions is making it about you because yes. you can't control anything outside of you. Right. Bingo. And that's such a big one that we, that we share, particularly people who are in any kind of relationship. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't control shit. No. And they can't read your mind. No. And when you have a dream that you're fighting, they don't know oh. about it. 
It's not so bad. Warning. <laughs> like, I'm so angry at you. You didn't do anything, but I feel like you did. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah. when, and when we carry that energy around with us, no matter what happened to us, um, there's such a strong energy transference on mm-hmm. people around us. And we have to be very sensitive to that. And again, find compassion. Um, but when, when we teach um, intention setting, it's a little bit different. It's, it's sort of like we have them do a, just a, a very small meditation where they do like a little compassionate body scan and they check in with their breath and just notice in that moment how they're feeling and use that to set an intention for their practice. So mm-hmm. it's less focused on future outcomes. It's all present moment energy. So it's like in this moment, I am not really like happy, but I'm not kind of, I'm not really sad. I'm just kind of like, Mah. and mm-hmm. so maybe their intention is I am present. Mm -hmm. or I am enough, or I'm here, or I'm breathing, or, you know, something that just defines them in that moment without trying to artificially grasp to like happy, happy, joy, joy feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, again, it's connecting you with what's real. And, um, and we teach them to carry that energy with them as long as they want. And if it's not serving them anymore, stop, take your three breaths, do a compassionate body scan, check in with your emotions and set a new one. Um, some people carry their intention for months, like for months, I was grateful. Like I feel like through October, November, all these wonderful, I was taking all these wonderful trips and I was just, I just felt like I was shining. I was just so happy. And so I was just, every morning I woke up and I'm grateful just seemed to fit again and again. Um, but like two days ago I woke up and I was in a shitty mood and I, you know, still grateful, but I was like, it's enough to just wake up and be here. I am enough. Like, I'm not going to let anyone um, put any unnecessary expectations on me because I'm not putting any expectations on myself, and I'm going to do the best I can each day. And so it changed a little bit. That's when I got in a fight with my husband because I was assembling all of the, uh, the teacher gifts, and um, he had the nerve to ask me if I had an extra gift card for one of his employees. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Lost my shit on him, and I'm wondering, like, why am I losing my shit? It had nothing to do with him. It just had to do with, like, I felt like someone was asking something of me that I couldn't offer. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't worried about letting him down. I was just annoyed that, as a grown ass man, he couldn't get his own gift card. You know, like I had everything all planned out. So, you know, sometimes, even being the most mindful person, we experience a full range of emotions. We are and human. Food <laughs> and human. Yeah. And in that moment, I said to myself, I am angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm angry. And the cool thing is, and maybe you've studied this too, because I know you do a lot of reading and researching, but, um, you know, people can't hold on to an emotion for longer than 90 seconds. Really? And, yeah. And the reason that you feel like you care, like if you're angry and you kind of carry it all day, it's because we purposely you're replaying replay. it. Yeah. yeah. You're going back and rewrite, you know, replaying the narrative. And sometimes your narrative that you're rewriting is like getting worse and worse. Oh, totally. That makes so much sense. Right? And really, truly, like you can be um, mad for 90 seconds, but if you then shift, um, one of my favorite forms of mindfulness, practices of mindfulness that I use every single day is gratitude. It's the simplest way to shift you from an unpleasant place to a pleasant place is just stopping and thinking about you just one thing, it could be a teeny tiny thing for which you're grateful. And it's like, ah, it just brings sort of a levity in your heart, Mm -hmm. a little glow, a little sense of like, wow, 
Like I am lucky that that is mine. I I think there's also the flip side. So if it's lingering, I think there's, there's this underlying resentment that that's been triggered from something else in the past. So if it's not easily released through gratitude, I think that there's probably some more exploration needed there. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And things, you know, people have all kinds of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And whenever I work with uh, mindfulness clients, if if we, as we're digging a little deeper and deeper in the practice, realize that like something is totally unresolved mm-hmm. or something keeps triggering those unpleasant feelings, I highly encourage them to go see a, a professional, like, Did a, a, like a, a, a real professional. You know, I'm not a licensed therapist and I don't ever claim to be. And I do believe that mindfulness as a practice can be very healing but um, it's not therapy, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it will never take the place of therapy. And there are a lot of um, therapists who use, and scientists who use mindfulness-based therapeutic techniques in a clinical setting, but they're trained in that way. And I'm not mm-hmm. trained in that way. So um, I remind them that there are other resources that they may want to explore to get to the heart of the trauma. Yeah, totally. When we were talking, I was thinking of like, okay, where, where else is mindfulness applied and how can it help business owners? And I was thinking like people saying yes to things that they don't want to say yes to, like having that pause on the right. front end right. of the ask. Yep. Yep. You're saying empowering people to say no when they want to say no? Yeah. Being mindful of like when someone asks them to do something, when there's an opportunity, um, when there's potentially a customer that they don't really want to work with, but they feel that urge to do it of, of having that awareness. Absolutely. Reaction. And, and exploring it a little bit more. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you connect with your, you know, your inner feelings and emotions and not just physically, but emotionally, energetically, and you dig deep into your purpose, right? And your passion, you realize your authentic self, your why, and you realize what motivates you and what inspires you and what doesn't. And, you know, you start to connect with those inner truths and that helps build a framework through which you make choices and you, um, you know, behavioral choices, word choices, and uh, you don't want to do stuff you don't want to do. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't, it's not aligned with your purpose and it feels icky, right? And so, yeah, say no when, when it doesn't feel right, but you have to have that that connection and the mindfulness right. is what gives you that connection. Yeah, I did. I did a talk in Dallas for women in trucking on my triple. It was so bad. It was so cool because in 45 minutes, women from all over the country, all different ages, were tapping into this new tool for them to just pause. Yeah, no, they didn't even realize I was teaching mindfulness at that moment. That's awesome. Because I was like, think about these three categories. And if any of them say no, you have a reason to say no. Yes. Yes. Did you go in with a trucker hat, I hope? No, I was so bummed. Apparently, I need to go to like an agricultural uh, convention in order to get the trucker hats. Um, oh. I was really expecting one and I didn't, but it's okay. Yeah. And you it, and your hats, I thought for sure you'd I walk know. in. I got a hat wall. Next to them. <laughs> that thing. I know. Yeah, Next time. Haberdasher? What do you call a hat person? Is that a haberdasher? It's a Milner. A Milner. Yes. Yes. 
but I don't work with mercury or any of that stuff. So yeah, yeah but it, it was really interesting. Like I didn't even connect the dots of like, oh, I'm totally teaching them mindfulness at this moment. Yeah. Uh, and people were stopping me. They're like, I feel like I finally have permission to say no to the have, the have to's in my life. Cause I was teaching yeah. about the six stages of burnout and we're going to do a podcast episode on that too. Um, and all of them had experienced some level of it. It's like, wow, people are, are so in the passenger seat thinking they don't have options and choice. Right, right, right. Yeah. So using your mindfulness practice to connect to your, your truth um, as a business leader keeps you on a track that represents you, right? Especially mm-hmm. a small business owner. If you have that kind of control over your product or your process, um, then yeah, I mean, it keeps you right in line with, and, and then, then it makes your work not feel like work. Totally. Right. Cause you're just it living your life. Fun. It should be fun. And if it's not, let it go and find something else that is. It's really hard to do that. But I think the, the more clients that I work with that are either working for a company or doing their own, their own thing as a small business owner, I ask them like, you know, you have choice to be here. Like, no, you're not in a prison work release situation. You chose to do this. Right. So right. you have the choice to make it fun or to do something else. Right. Right. So I think like back to your question about how mindfulness practices can positively impact business owners, like definitely for, for a small business owner, keeping them connected to their truth. And for anyone who's just plopped in business or any profession where you're surrounded by um, employees, employers, just a lot of people um, building up that resilience so that you can be more patient when things don't go your way um, building up the compassion, um, compassionate listening. That's a one exercise that we always teach in our mindfulness workshops. That is, I think the most impactful because people realize how often in a conversation they are not present. They're just like their mind drifts or their mind is rehearsing what they want to say next. Mm -hmm. And like, dude, people can't, I don't think they realize you can multitask. You can do a million things at once, but you can't, your brain can't multitask. Your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. So as soon as you are scripting what you want to say next, um, you have turned off the capacity to hear what's being said to you. (laughs) Did you know that um, when people are talking, so if I'm speaking right now and you were to start talking, your eardrums will actually buffer that out. So like you actually can't hear what other people are saying yeah. when you're talking. So actually, if you're at a concert and you don't have earplugs, talk all the way through it <laughs> oh. at a super loud show. Yeah. That's but, good. but like our bodies are designed to do that because we have to hear ourselves. Right. Yep. So, yep. so even if you're rehearsing it in your head, your, your brain is like tuned into hearing that and not the other person. Absolutely. Yep. And then we're not present in conversations and then we're not showing compassion to others, you know, and showing them respect. And we all want to be seen and we all want to be heard. And yeah. we don't always, this is another thing that comes out of that. And this is probably a big one in, um, in like an employer employee dynamic. We don't have to solve everyone's problems. No, we don't. It ain't our circus. They are not our monkeys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we, our presence is enough to provide, you know, warmth for someone else. And if they ask for advice, give advice. If they don't, if someone doesn't ask you for advice, don't give them advice. Like they don't want that. Did you ever see my meme that I put together about unsolicited advice? Probably. Did you it, put it on? 
Oh, it's, it's from like three years ago. So maybe you didn't oh, see it. Maybe not. So, so I said unsolicited advice is like ringing someone's doorbell and handing them a flaming bag of dog shit. <laughs> that just came out of the ass of the man pulling into. That's it. <laughs> well, no, it's dog. Yeah. It's oh, dog, dog shit. Dog shit. Yeah. Dog so it's like ringing the doorbell. It's like, I brought this for you, but it's like in a gift bag. Right. Yeah. And it's dog yeah. poop. Nobody yeah. asked for it. Nobody yeah. wants it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's stinky and it's bad. Yeah. It's yeah. never going to be received in the way that you intended. Yep. Yep. And so when we do these, this compassionate listening exercise, people like on both sides of the listening and, and speaking side, like feel like they realize what a gift it is to be in a conversation. Like if you're speaking and you know, no one's going inter- to interrupt you, you know, you're giving the, they're getting the gift of freedom to express. Mm-hmm. and pause like I'm a big this my husband drives me nuts because he's like always in a rush and he's very smart and he always has the right word and I don't always have the right word and sometimes I pause because I'm waiting to think of it and he'll fill it in for me and I'm like damn it that's your word not my word can you just wait and be patient and he's like oh I'm sorry 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 I know I know I know I'm sorry like he's just really bad about interrupting um but it's a gift when you know you're not gonna be interrupted to just emote right totally having the space. And that's actually a big tool that we use in coaching is giving people the space to fill in their own blanks. Yes. Yes. We're always in such a rush to fill blanks. We're not comfortable with the pause. We have to learn to, to find the peace in the pause and the magic in the pause, in the pause, the magic in the pause. There's so much in the pause. We need to get more comfortable with it. Yeah. I love the pause. Yeah. Rigo loves the pause too. He's right next to me. (laughs) He's great. He's my little mindfulness tool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, pets are so good for that. If you need to, if you're having trouble figuring out how to begin a mindfulness practice. And when I teach it, I teach through Dan Siegel's wheel of awareness. And do you ever do any, do any work with Dan Siegel? I don't. So he talks about the, the traditional five senses. So you can go out and just do like a mindful walk and feel how the, you know, it feels on your ground. I'm like, I'm like stuttering. You can walk and feel how the earth feels as you kiss it with your feet, or you can look around and see the trees and the birds, or you can listen or you can smell, you know, use your, your five senses as you did when you were an infant learning about the world. Or you can go to your sixth sense, which is your internal bodily sensations and maybe practice um, a body scan and tons of great body scans available Mm -hmm. online. Um, Your seventh sense is your mind. So that's when you get into more traditional forms of meditation where you just kind of sit with your thoughts and watch the thoughts come and go. And then your eighth sense is your interpersonal relationships. And so practicing that compassionate awareness and the the, the gratitude and the generosity and just that outpouring from your heart. Um, and um, so one of the ways that I think is the most basic, <laughs> I teach people like if you're having trouble accessing your mindfulness through any of those senses, like sit with your pet, just sit mm-hmm. and cuddle. And like when you're rubbing your pet's belly, do nothing, do nothing but like feel how it feels and get down there and smell how your pet smells and just be fully present with your pet, with all of your senses, and just think about nothing else, because you can't. I mean, when you're focusing on what you're focusing on, nothing else comes in. So anyway, I love mindfulness with pets. That's awesome. So if you had to give one gigantic, mind-shifting 
I'm like building this up way too much. If you, if, if you had to give one tip to our listeners about mindfulness, what would it be? Practice. Practice, practice. Be present and practice. Don't give up. Find, okay. find a modality that services you, that pleases you, um, and practice it several times a day, every day, until you start to notice the benefits of the practice and maybe start to incorporate other elements of the practice. But, you know, again, if maybe everyone washes their hair, you know, take something that you do every day. It's not an additional, you're not adding something new to your life. You're just paying attention to what you're doing as you're doing it. So maybe just start a gateway would be washing your hands. Mm-hmm. Blue and cold season. You need to wash your hands a lot. Yes. Washing <laughs> your hands. Just notice first where your mind goes naturally and then bring your attention to how the water feels on your hands and how it looks at coming out of the faucet. Start small, but practice every single day. I love that. Practice, practice, and don't stop practicing. Don't stop practicing. And it's always a practice and you're never going to have a final performance and you're never going to be like, okay, I'm mindful. Peace out. Like you have to practice constantly. I love that. Well, thank you for bringing your mindful self to the Spitfire podcast. Thank you for having me, Lauren. It's always a delight chatting with you. I will always keep in mind now the whole stinky bag of shit and the um the gotta poop to poo. i love it <laughs> See, i'm always i'm always bringing the high level tools to the experts <laughs> no that's the, thing. Like, it's the littlest things that help shift your mind it doesn't have to be fancy or intellectual or coming from the mouth of a psycho analyst you know like mm-hmm. We learn from each other. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And to all the Spitfires out there, be mindful of your awesomeness and you guys keep being awesome.